question for you. If you are going to a football game or a basketball game, what seats do you want? You can put on the, uh, the Facebook page, you can put in the Zoom, you guys can yell it out here. What seats do you want at the football game or the basketball game? Kurt, you, you know this one. Feel free to yell it out. Front and center. Front and center. Bruce got it. You, you're wondering who's paying for it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. If, if somebody else is buying, what seats do you want? Front and center. Like when, when I went to a Blue Jays game, I was, this was years ago, I got the furthest nosebleed section because like that's the cheapest. But yeah, someone else is buying, you want the front and center. You want court side, you want like beside the bench kind of thing, like as close to the action as possible, right? That's, that's true, nobody disagrees with that. Awesome. So in this next series, what we are looking at is that we are actually on the team. That we are part of what the team is doing. We aren't just spectacles, or spectators. And sometimes we kind of get confused. We, we mistake the bench with the, the bleachers. And that we feel like we're close, we feel like we're almost part of it, right? But we are. That we are part of the team, we're part of what God is doing, and that we have a role to play. So in the, the next little bit, we're going to be looking at how we sometimes do sit on the sideline. Sometimes it's for rest, sometimes it's for a season, and sometimes it's actually for a reason, and we here will be looking a bit more in that, and that tends to be like our attitude or our character gets us benched. But we are still on the team. We aren't out in the stand. We aren't just watching. We have a role on this. Uh, I was going to make a reference that Jared was going to get, but Jared isn't here. So Jared, if you're listening later, uh, I hope you get this as well. <laughs> in the Bible, there's other ideas of not just a sports team. Uh, th there's the idea of the family. That if, if you aren't a sports person, if you don't quite get courtside, or if you like, you know, actually want the nosebleed section, let's look at a family. In, in a family on a farm, right, everybody is a part of a family. And in a farm family, everybody also has a role. In scripture, uh, they use another image, which is the body. And everybody is a part of the body. This is Ephesians 4. We're not looking at that today, but I guarantee you it's coming up in the series. So if you feel like spending time reading some scripture, that's a good spot to be. But everybody is part of the body, and every part of the body has a role. Some of it is, you know, more noticeable. Other parts are, like, super essential. Like, I think we all know what the heart does. Uh, like, there's essential roles. There's other parts, but all of them work together. So these are kind of some images to hold as we go through this series, that we aren't spectators. We aren't just a lost limb. We aren't just a, uh, a wayward child. We are part of a family. We are on the team. There's a, a position and a role and a part that we get to play. What I want to get us onto a, a, a same page as we start into this series, because uh, it's always good to have a starting point, is what is the church? Feel free once again to comment or yell out. What is, what is the church? Everybody can yell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The church is bricks and mortar, right? It's, it's stones held together. It's things and something we go into. No. Good. <laughs> All right, and that, that highlights one of the challenges we're going to be seeing over and over and over again in this series. Is sometimes the words we use get confusing. When we say, let's go to church, we kind of are talking about building, or we're kind of about talking about something we're doing, but we're also kind of like ontologically wrong where that's actually like, who we are. And as we go through this series, we're going to be finding more and more words 
that kind of come up that mean one thing, but it's talked about in a different way, or we're looking at it a different way. And so the church is the best example of that, just to get us on the same page. So the church is God's people, united in worship of God, and are in a relationship with God, made possible by Jesus' saving and un uniting life, death, and resurrection. And what is the church for? The church is to glorify God. And we are to be his witness here, now, and forever. That, that's kind of like the, the simplest way we can boil it down to what is the church. But there is all those other confusing pieces that we also talk about. And while that definition of church can be unpacked in like literally a thousand different ways and a thousand di different iterations, it's enough for us to be at least on the same page as we are going forward. So the, the simple picture of what we want to do in the series is to look at God's word and to engage with God and try to understand what he wants to do with us as his church in a historical way, but also in a way that grows us closer to God and also allows us to live out what church is in this present day. Because when it comes to being the church, God knows best. When it comes to building a church, God knows best. And when it comes to us as Stanley Park Community Church and how we are to live out in this modern day and age, God knows best. Yeah, so we want to look to God's direction, not just like my ideas. That's, you know, as great as my ideas are, I'm sure you all love my ideas. That's not going to get us where we want to be going. We want to be following God into what he has for us. So the first passage we're just going to quickly hit and move through is looking at Matthew 16, 18. So right at the very beginning, like we know that God knows best because Jesus says this to Peter. He says, I tell you, Peter, that on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And as we all know, the church has been through a lot. Like, this past year, we have been through a lot. Our literal church, our community has been through a lot. As individuals, as different parts of the team, as different parts of the family, we've all gone through a lot. We also, historically, the church has gone through a lot. A lot more than we have gone through in this past year. And we also know globally that the church has gone through a whole lot. But here's the beautiful thing right here, is that we know we will overcome because of Jesus. We know that when he said this to Peter, he was also foreshadowing what he was about to do with his death and resurrection. And so if Peter can find comfort going into the death and resurrection, knowing that Jesus says he can overcome, and then he does, and the church can see that God does overcome all things, we have confidence as we go forward into this fall to know that, well, things are not where we want it. God knows where it is. God knows what he's planning on doing. God knows how to use and move and guide us as a community to respond to the current culture and the current life challenges we have. So today's passage, if you guys want to open that up, is in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And while we read this passage, I would love for you to also hold up that idea that God is the one that builds his church. Because uh, sometimes we can kind of get confused. We, we feel like it's all on us, or like if we don't do this, or if we do that, we will ruin everything. And that's simply not true. We can make a lot of mistakes, and we can, you know, do some terrible things that don't tarnish God's name. But the church building and the church will carry on. God is very much for the church. 
So verse 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who speaks by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in every one of them, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. By means of the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous power. To another, prophecy. And to another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one Spirit, the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. I'm going to pray over our time together. And then we're going to spend a bit more time kind of just setting up this entire series. I, I can't give all that we have in one message, uh, just because it's a lot. <laughs> but I know that God is working in our community, and I'm excited for what he's going to do in our, in our series on spiritual gifts. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us today to gather in your name, to gather in a space, to gather online. And Lord, we ask that you are organizing our lives to help us engage with the gift that you have given us for the church to live and honor and glorify you. Holy Spirit, we, we invite you into this time. We invite you into our lives to put aside the things that distract us and to bring up your word, your vision, your heart, your love for us. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So in this passage, in the passage after, the passage right after this one moves into unity, which is critical as we go forward as well. So if you also want to find somewhere else to read, read on in 12. The next section is also great, 13. So basically, just find yourself in 1 Corinthians, and you do great. Or Ephesians, as I also said. But today we're going to pull out that one passage in verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The goal of these gifts isn't for you. You are given a gift, but it's not for you. It doesn't have your name on it. It is for the church. It's for the common good. God wants to give gifts and bless the community through you. It's from God through you to others. And that is how we're going to be operating in this series, is that it's not just I get things from God. It's not my gift, but it's my opportunity to serve, my opportunity to, to bless, my opportunity to be a part of what God is doing, being on the team and playing a critical role at a critical time. So the, this gift is from God, and it's for the church. Now, as we get into the series, we're going to notice a whole bunch of different, like, pitfalls. So I'll, I'll try to highlight them for you, because we can get ourselves into trouble. There's also other things where we just need to make as clear as possible uh, what we are and aren't saying. So as a church, we can run into the challenge, and I want to highlight this, is that we can try to be like Jesus, but not like Jesus. Right? We can try to 
grow and be like Jesus, but if we are not relying on the Spirit, we're not doing it like Jesus. If you look at the beginning of his ministry, at the baptism, who's there? All three of them. You got Jesus, you got the Spirit, and you got the Father. As you look at how he goes through ministry, he's stopping and he's pausing and he's being present with God. He's identifying that God has a, a mission. God is doing these things. And he's, Jesus has surrendered all of his power, but he is now being empowered by the Spirit to live out the mission and the kingdom of God. So we can try to live like Jesus, but not do it like Jesus, and we will fail every time. Another thing we can do is we can try to reason what God would do. Right? We can try to figure out what, what God is doing in a spot instead of asking him. We can still rely on the Spirit, but then just whenever it comes down to it, it's my decision, I think I got it. And so the, the value in this is to make sure that we are in relationship with the Spirit. And we can try to do this in our own ability. Right? We can maybe talk to God about this and just run off and try to do it ourselves. We are trying to live out of our power, our ability, our drive, instead of being empowered by the Spirit. And we'll look at a little bit more of that, and sometimes that works. But the results aren't spiritual results. The results are natural results. And the other part is that we can try to live a spiritual life naturally. We try to live it with our own limitations, with our own ability, with our own mind, never engaging with what the Spirit and what God is trying to do. So these are some of the things that we run into an issue with. We, in a lo- like the long and the short of this is that we have a tendency to do our faith walk by ourselves. That we talk about walking with God, and when it comes down to it, we're actually just walking without Him. Now you will you also notice that there's there's ways that we can identify where it's us and where it is God working, and one of the, the great ways is let's look at sin. When it comes to sin, what do we tend to do? We tend to come up with rules and ways to avoid it or to balance it or to mitigate its problems. Or with, like, hurt and woundedness. What do we try to do? We try to apply, um, you know, good steps for care. We try to be tender and loving. And we, we do these kind of things to try to bring, you know, rain and sin and to, to bring healing. And both of those are good. But they are not gospel. Right? The, the difference here is that we can often focus on what the person solution is. What, what do I get to do as a natural being is to try to mitigate my sins and try to bring life and healing. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is looking at what God has done. And so as we, we look at what God has done, it's very different. We look at that he has done something that has now overcome sin. Or that he is moving in a way that is bringing healing and life. And the confusing and harder part in this, because it does get messy and muddy, is that sometimes the way that God is bringing life or overcoming sin is also through these kind of modes of balances, checks, these points of areas where it's like, no, this is just not wisdom lived out, or this is how you promote life and healing. So sometimes it is a practical, tangible thing that comes off very natural, very humanly, because God works through humans. But we can also jump to the solution without God and not look at the gospel and what God has done. And the critical thing for that is the focus. Right? The gospel is the good news that God has done something for us. And that what he has done for us is now what he is doing with us and through us. He has done, we receive. And from that healing, life, lordship comes. 
not because of what we've done or what we've figured out. It's because of who Jesus is. So the first major pitfall that I, I think is worth uh, getting up here is uh, when we talk about gifts and that there's a natural outflow of a gift into action, into something that you do, you might get confused and hear that you need to do more things or that you need to be doing things or that things are what you do. And gifts do result in doing, but it's not about the gifts and the doing. It's about God. Right? It's about his, his will, his way. And, and when he calls your number, you get in the game. But he is with you. He's coaching. He's guiding. It's not just you need to perform. So like the simplest way I could put this is we live out of love. We don't live in pursuit of it. So as we do things, it's because of God's love. It's not because I want his love. And as we prep as this series, I've already kind of mentioned this a few times, is that there's two categories of gifts. So like we were talking about church and how it can get confusing. There is two categories of gift. There is natural and supernatural, or spiritual gifts. And we need both. But both, well actually both are God-given, which is also confusing. But then there's a unique part of it that God gives the spiritual gifts to those who believe. So you can have a great natural gift, and you can have a spiritual or supernatural gift given by God for the church. And God's intent for that spiritual and supernatural gift is to grow his church, to allow it to live as it's designed to live. In all kinds of different ways we're going to be looking at over the, I think it's the next nine weeks, a bunch of areas that we will be living or trying to live out as God has gifted us, not as we are just naturally made. And the odd thing is, I would say at least in the last like 40 years, a lot of churches have found a lot of success living out of natural gifts. That we know how to do this. We can rationalize it. We can reason it. We can do all these things. And we can you know, add numbers by social media, by marketing, by all these other natural things. And we are missing the supernatural results because we aren't leaning into the spiritual gifts that God wants to use to grow and invest and guide his communities of faith. Now, as we look at this series, we also want to empower every player or uh, care for every child, to be a part of the family and know that our roles, we all have the, the value of being a priest. We are the priesthood of all believers, that I'm not extra special. I just am up foot and a half, maybe. Somebody else might know that number. But I'm just on a stage. That every one of us has equal access to God. That every one of us can just go to Jesus lay our hearts out there, ask for guidance, ask for direction. And the importance of this verse, uh, importance of this idea comes out of 1 Peter uh, 2, 4-5, if you want to look that up later. The idea that is so valuable understanding the priesthood of all believers is that it, it's actually another safeguard in our community. If someone starts saying that they are the only way that God is known or heard from, that's ripe for spiritual abuse, and that's not where we're going. And so we want to make sure we bake in early into this is that everybody has equal access to God. So we all have a role, and, and they're all valuable, and we all have access to hear from the coach or from the, the parent or from whomever we want to picture in this, from the, the brain or the heart to guide, to move the body. We all have that. But it's important for us to understand that this is God's plan for the church. All right, this is why we want to learn this, is that God gave these gifts for his glory. Right? The church is his bride. Another way that they, 
the church can be confused as well. Is that the, the church is his bride, and he's, he's given this gift for her to be at her best because he loves her. He wants to lavish gifts on her. He wants it just to be like, wow, like, God, you're so good kind of relationship. And that comes from him giving gifts because it brings him glory. And for us as a community, it, it brings us together. It allows us to live out a life on mission, live life deeply connected with God. And then that allows us to also be a healthy, attractive, growing church that is gifted for the needs that are around us, both natural and spiritual needs. And so as we engage natural and spiritual gifts, we are living as the church should be living. Not just storing gifts under the bed, hoping for one day to use them. You all got the Christmas reference, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> How many have ever forgotten a Christmas gift under the bed or in the closet? Yeah. Yeah, right? Like it, it happens. And so gifts should just be given. Uh, who cares what season it is? Give your gifts. <laughs> Kids will love that. And so here's uh, another note that I want to make sure we, we put in here as we start this is that we want to put up a fence around the pool. Right? There's, there's a challenge is that some people can just jump off the spiritual deep end and go real deep and wildly deep and weird. Right? I've some of us may have experienced that. Some of us may have just heard stories about that. And so we want to put up some fences, some guidelines, and some boundaries just to keep a pool safe. We also don't want to just drive right by the pool because we're so afraid of the deep end. There's a shallow end. There's, there's ways to dip your toes and start getting comfortable. And so we want to set up these fences to help us know what we are getting into and which end's the deep end, which end's the, uh, you know, like the, the wavy pool part, whatever you, image helps you feel like this is something worth engaging and not just like, I'm checking out for the next nine weeks. So, some fences or posts or uh, guidelines here is one, uh, spiritual gifts must fall in the scope of Scripture and work within the lines of God's Word, and it must always align with His character. Right? This is a critical thing. If, if ever you hear somebody deep ending of the pool saying something that doesn't align with uh, the Scriptures, doesn't align with God's Word, doesn't align with His character— don't go there. Don't, don't dive in that area. All right, another one is discernment of the Spirit is needed by the community. Right? It's, it's also through tradition, and it's supported by God's Word. Right? Spiritual things can be discerned by everybody. That is a believer, of course. So then, no one can claim that they are the only ones that have heard the Word, and now you must do these things. This is the priest of all believers, the key thing here. Another one is, is thinking soberly. So, like, passion is a good thing, but passion is a terrible driver. It will take you off any cliff, anywhere, because it's just exciting. Right? So, as, as we engage with our gifts, and we can be excited, is also to know that your gift isn't for you. It isn't about you. And if you're getting either upset, or if you're, you're like, just so adamant that it needs to be here and now, you may be missing it. Read the room, people. Is that your gift needs to be caring for others. And if your gift, living it out, is throwing people off, if it's pushing them out of a space where they have space in the community or connection or care, your gift isn't being applied right. And so that's why we need sober thought as we engage with our gifts passionately. Creating space for others to calmly try out their things, not be scared because all of a sudden, like, a level 12 whatever is all of a sudden, like, no, it, it's... How do we love each other as we apply the gift? And some people might partner with you in a more excited, passionate way, but read the room. 
Uh, the other part is that your gift is given for the church, to be the church, to do the churchy things, right? Your gift isn't for you. So your gift, like your gift, is for everybody else. It's for you, 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 it's for, you, it's for the community around us as well. And if we don't catch who the gifts are for, we might inadvertently open the gift and think that this is what I get to keep and hold on to dearly. It's meant to be given to the community. And one more that we'll circle back many and many and many a time in this is gifts need to be given in humility, with character and integrity. So one thing that we've also baked into the series over the next eight, nine weeks, I think it's nine weeks, is character corner. Because your gift is no good if you don't have character, integrity, if you aren't coming with humility. And so we are going to be also looking alongside this as what is love. Because Paul says that if you do not have love, and you have all these other great, cool, awesome gifts, it is a gong. It is a waste of our time. It's just noise. Nobody cares. And so the, the, the point that would find you on the bench, you're still on the team, but find you always on the bench is if you lack character. If you are doing things out of arrogance and out of pride, out of envy, these kind of things, we'll see a lot more of that. You are on a bench. Right? You're not playing the critical role. Even when the team could use you, if you've got a bad attitude, you're not in the game. So every believer has a spiritual gift. Every believer has at least one gift. That's something that Scripture says. Um, we're going to learn to believe that and start looking for it. Some people have multiple gifts. Sometimes a gift pops up just because God's like, well, you're the closest one, go. Other times it's like these are gifts that God has grown in us and given to us. And some of us grew up in our, in our faith for such a long time that it's hard to understand the difference between our natural gift and our spiritual gift because, like you said, you accepted Jesus when you were four, and it's just like second nature to you. So there's also like that complexness to it. But everybody has, as a believer, one spiritual gift. Some have a few more. Now, I, I w don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but I think it's also worth identifying as we are getting into the series is that there are other spiritual things out there in the world, engaging, trying to enact influence. And so... As, as believers, we also need to identify when there's other things at play. That it's not just all facts. It's not just all, you know, this just happened. Sometimes things just happen. Sometimes things happen because somebody did something. Sometimes things happen because there's actually a negative, a, a, a spiritual, a demonic um, thing going on. And so I don't want to scare you with that, but it's worth naming. Because this isn't just a Western world where everything's scientific and if we just don't understand, it's because we haven't done enough tests yet. Uh, there is uh, spiritual forces, and this is something that you'd see in Scripture. You'd see even in Jesus interacting with demonic things. You'd see Moses. You see the early church dealing with uh, oppressive forces, demonic, that sort of stuff. And so that is also a reason why people might just like, you know what, let's not go to the pool today. Let's just keep driving. Uh, and, and I don't think that's helpful to the church because we're missing out on the gifts that God wants to give. And those, those spiritual, demo, demonic, the negative things, whatever you feel comfortable calling them, um, win because they stopped you from living out the gift that God gave his church. And so that's why we did put in the stop at the pool and why we have the pool, why we have a, a springboard, whatever kind of things for the pool is because there's value in giving our gifts to the church. So here's a, a passage from 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15, just to 
make it clear that there is um, other things in play in the world. Uh, so verse 13, it says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their ends will correspond with their deeds. So as, as we engage in spiritual gifts, and this is one of the things from church renewal that I've been a part with now for like two years, basically as long as I've been here, is that as you start engaging with them, things are going to come out of the woodwork. And uh, the value is that we have a community that will work through this. We all have the ability to speak to God, connect with God, and that God loves us deeply. But then people will come with their own intentions, maybe from outside of our community, maybe even inside our community, might start noticing these things. And so I, I want to get it out there again. We have a community standard, and there's some, uh, some rules that we will follow as a community, and that's where a board, myself, and others will also support clarity in this. We don't say, thus says the Lord, unless it is in Scripture, unless it's being quoted in context, and it doesn't come with pridefulness, arrogance, because that is ripe for spiritual abuse. And that's not what we're doing here. We are going to be a humble church, offering up our gifts lovingly, supportingly, for the others to flourish, not because we want to be heard with whatever it is. So that's, that's one thing. If you ever hear anyone saying, thus say the Lord, that might be a warning sign. And as it goes, if you notice the arrogance, if you notice pride and any other kind of stuff, even if they're saying the right thing, they're saying it the wrong way, they, they need to be talked to. All right? That's just what it is. Uh, another one here is the empowerment of others. It is not about my gift. My gift supports you. Your gift supports others and supports me. If we do not look like Christ as we live out the gifts, we have a problem. Jesus was a servant to all. And so when we share a word, an idea, a scripture, we empower others to discern it. Right? We, we even tell them to go talk to somebody else to discern it. Because if it's like, oh, I told you this word, and you need to talk to me to understand it, once again, we're not valuing the priesthood of all believers. We're, we're discrediting the, the connection we all have with God. So if you feel like you have something to share with somebody, do it humbly and encourage them into community. Because we know that Satan, the demonic, the negative things in the world, wants to draw everybody into isolation, which sucks in the context we're in, right? But it is true, because you're an easier target in isolation. So we, as a community of communities, we as a larger church, value the ability as a community to discern together. And so, as we take our gifts, we hand them off humbly to the other to encourage life, to encourage growth, to see them flourish in their role and so as we discern this over the coming weeks and months, we hold that up. We know these fences. We know these rules. And I'll bring them up over and over again because we aren't posting signs because that's weird. Uh, <laughs> we don't need all these signs up. We just need to know them as we're going. There's ways in which we engage with spiritual gifts, and there's ways that we don't. Uh, so one recommendation in this entire series is don't go Googling your spiritual gift. Like, go take a test. Don't. Because you'll see some answer here, and you'll say, that's neat, and you'll move on. Our desire as a church is to lean into the mystery. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, cool. We're going to work on this. We, 
We have community groups where you can maybe talk to somebody, say, hey, I have no idea what my spiritual gift is. And people might even start laughing, awkwardly, of course, because it might be so obvious to everybody else in the community, but not obvious to you. And so as we start looking at these spiritual gifts, we want to discern them. And if you know that it, it is in Scripture, and if you know that this is the, the way that God is leading, trying them out. Because we, we want to see this gift lived. And if it's not your gift, well, then there's also the value of you're trying to do biblical things as best as you can. Like, it's not a loss there. Um, yeah, just time-wise, I'm going to try to jump through here. Um, yeah, so everybody has a spiritual gift. Everybody is offering up to one another. And then there's the conversion, as I've talked to a few other people who've done a series like this. There's some people don't want to know their spiritual gifts because they don't want to be accountable for them. And I'm going to kind of wrap up with this passage, or I'll sum, summarize this passage, Matthew 25. It's a parable of the talents. Is that in this parable, the, the yeah, basically the parable builds out that like God, has invested and given gifts as a master to some of his people. And the master went away for a while, and some of the people took the gifts, took the talent, took whatever, and they invested. They grew. They desired to see that flourish. And then there's an example of one that's like, I'm just going to hide it. Right? As we, as we live out our, our gifts, we want to be seeing them flourish. Because God wants to. He didn't just want to give you a little bit and just leave you with a little bit. He wants to see us all live out this gift more and more for his glory and for his, his bride. There's one other thing I guess I should toss in here as well before we finish, is that when it comes to somebody else's gift, we don't need to be directing them. Right? If you see that gift, if you, it's so obvious, it's not up to you to decide how they should be using their gift. It's up to them discerning in community, of course, and with God, but at the end of the day, when the, when he, the master comes home, he's not going to ask you, did you tell Mike how to use that gift? Did he listen to you? Or did you tell Jane how she should have been doing this? Right? At the end of the day, when, when the master came home, he asked, what did you do with the gift? And so we need to kind of dial in our binoculars, maybe even put them in our pocket, and look at our hands and our feet and say, how am I using my gift that God has given me for the community? What ways can I apply this to serve others, to love them, and allow that to flourish? How can I get better at doing this? I, I clearly have this gift. I should be applying some, some ways of growing in my gift. Because the church comes out better the more that we lean into these gifts. Now the last thing in this parable that I absolutely love is it's ultimately our desire to, at the end of the day, when you know, we're six feet under and we're meeting Jesus, to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And some of that is connected to the way that we live out our faith, the way that we engage with our walk with him, and even our giftings. But here's the, the best thing I like about this, is that we don't have to wait till we're, we're dead. Right? We're not like, oh, like, I hope I hear this in the end. I hope that God like, says, well done. It's as we are walking with God, as we pray at the end of the day, as we engage with community, we can be attuned to our Heavenly Father's ear his mouth, to, his, to what he's saying to us. And we can hear him saying this every day. We can hear him say, well done. As we apply our gifts, as we give our, our, our lives for his cause, as we engage with what God is doing, we can hear, well done. We can hear, that's good. We can hear his direction. We can hear his words of encouragement. 
we can hear him saying, you are my faithful servant. God wants to encourage. It's not just like, oh, well, I got this thing. I got to now walk alone. That's not what we're doing here. We're walking with God. It's a faith walk with God. And what I love from the passage, it says, come and share your master's happiness. Like, that's our eternal desire. But Jesus came so that we can have life to the fullest here and now and in eternity. So as we live as a church, serving, loving, connecting, doing what God is doing in this community, we get to share in the master's happiness because he loves his church. So I'm going to pray over this, over the, our time as a, a church in a series. Um, I'm sure there's going to be many questions. For that. Feel free to email, call, text, whatever you need to do, because uh, we are walking this together, and this is on the table in our community groups. I, I, I specifically don't want to make all our community groups the same or give them a certain book that they have to work through because there's a unique gifting in every one of our community groups. And so as we get to know each other deeper and deeper, as we get to live life alongside and following Jesus and walking with him, we're going to see these community groups thrive in unique in ways that we cannot program. And I think these spiritual gifts are going to be so good for our church and so good for our community groups as we humbly walk forward, as we, we test out you know, this, this little thing that I'm learning and trying to understand, and as you guys are trying to understand your gifts. We're going to be miles down the road experiencing the happiness of the Master, listening to him say, well done. Because God loves his church, and he's given gifts to it. Father, we invite you to guide us in this series. Lead us in your ways. Teach us how to follow. Teach us how to recognize what you are doing. Lord, help us put down our agendas and our desires for your kingdom. And help us pick up your heart, your holiness, your way of life together. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, guys, that's today. Thank you for being here. <laughs>